Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Point Church again. And uh, I'm Greg Petersheim, the executive pastor here, and I'm glad to be here this morning. Glad to have you with us this morning. Glad to have you that are joining us online as well. And if you're listening to the podcast later, uh, welcome to this episode. That just sounds so official when you say that, right? But anyway, hey, we're glad to have you here. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm finding myself in a season where I am tired. I'm just tired of it all, right? Am I, am I alone in this? I hope not, because if you're not tired, then you're really going to not identify with the sermon here. Maybe think of a time when you were tired. But I'm tired of it all. I, I'm, I'm tired of everything, and, you know, it doesn't help at this time of year. It's dark all the time, it seems like, and it just feels lethargic, and it's just hard to get motivated. And I know some of you are tired of the snow already, and it didn't even start yet, you know. I mean, you're just tired of it all. And I don't know about you, but I know that I find myself, when I'm in these moments, that it affects my spiritual life as well. That I, I feel not only in the physical realm, I feel tired, I feel kind of a little lethargic, I feel a little bit empty. I, I feel that in my spiritual life, and I feel it affect my spiritual life, and I feel empty uh, in the inside as well. And I, I want to, and I'm sure as you guys, I want to love the Lord and my God with all my heart, my soul, my strength, my mind. I mean, that's my desire. It's my heart. It's, it's what I, you know, I want to be doing. And I want to be serving now the overflow of, you know, my full cup and just that every time people come and, you know, interact with me, that's just the overflow of God's love that I have for him is just overflowing to everyone around me. And that's my goal. And, and it's not there. And I, I find myself in these moments where I want to love God, and, and I want to be full. I want my cup to be full, but I'm feeling empty. And I feel like the widow who is being asked in the Old Testament to give of her last meal before the, when there was a, a drought, and the widow and her son, they were going to cook their last meal and then die. That was their plan for the day. And the prophet Elijah comes, and he says, you know what? Before you do that, I want you to cook and give me food. What? You know, and we feel this way. We feel like, you know, there's so many demands, so many things that our kids want, our parents want, you know, people that are expecting of us, and we want to be given, but we can't because we just feel so empty, and we feel like we have nothing to give. And I, I feel this, this sense and this mindset, that, that uh, this balancing act that I need to fill up my cup so that I can serve others, so that I can love others so that others can see Christ in me. I, and I need my cup filled, and I have this mindset that I need, to, I need to just, I don't know, maybe pray a little bit more. Maybe I need to read my Bible a little bit more. Maybe I need to listen to a little more worship music. I need to do something, and I find myself in this cycle of, of focusing on my cup and filling my cup because I want it to overflow to others. And I, I begin to s just see myself focusing more and more on filling my cup. And I don't know about you guys, but my cup, when I'm trying to fill it, never really gets full. Because there's always things that just seem to poke holes in it. There's sin in my life that comes, creeps up. There's things that seem to splash out, and life just shakes it around, and it just seems to come. And I, I can never feel like I'm adequate to then serve others. I never feel like I'm ready to love others because my cup isn't full. And I want my cup to be filled. In 1997 a couple years ago, 23 years ago, I found myself, and I find myself in this place since then, but there was a time where I felt this way in a, in a really strong way, and, and God taught me a lesson. God showed me something. 
And I was, at that point, I was a, uh, had a young family. Corinne was born, she was like a year and old. Lauren was on the way. Um, I was working 50 hours at a cabinet shop, and, but uh, loved leading worship. I was leading worship every Sunday and Saturday night services once a month. I was teaching Sunday school to the youth every week because that was a passion as well. And I remember we were at a season of life where we were like, if we can have one day a week, Thursday nights, be our family night, and keep that from meetings and all the other church stuff going on, that's a win for us. And, and that was our goal, was to have that one night a week. And that's, that was the rhythm we had. And I surprisingly, not surprisingly, found myself very empty and found myself in a place. And, and so I, I, was, I did what you're supposed to do, right? I, I worked harder. And I, I talked a friend into going into a worship seminar with me, of a day worship seminar, and he was four hours away. Uh, and on a four-hour drive is $100, and I could afford about $99, uh, $1 of that, you know, was in our budget. Uh, but I was like, this is going to be awesome. We're going to have a day filled with, like, you know, big-time worship people who know what they're doing, who know, you know, minister this way all the time. And they had seminars during the day, and then they always have this, like, big concert or worship event in the night, and it's phenomenal. It's just, like, world-class musicians. This is going to be so awesome. I'm going to get my cup filled. Here I come, Lord. And, and so we had a great day, great conference, got to the end. The worship was phenomenal. It was just, you could sense the, the presence of God in the room in a deep way. And, and I, I knew that my time was coming and it even got better. The worship leader said, Hey, you know, at the end, it kind of calmed down a little bit in the end. And he said, you know, if you're here tonight and you feel your cup is dry and you can't give anything more, I want you to come forward. The, the Lord has a word for you today. Man, I'm, I'm, I grew up in a Mennonite church, right, guys? You know, altar calls were kind of like, eh, I know I get where you're going. I can get that. I can deal with that myself kind of thing. Man, that one was no. I was like pushing kids away, parents, you know. I, I was getting to the front because I wanted my cup to be filled. And I knew this was the moment that God was going to fill my cup. Because my focus, my focus at that point was on my cup. I needed my cup full. I wanted to love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, my soul, my strength. I wanted to give him everything. And this morning, I want to look. We'll continue the story later. This morning, I want to look a little bit more at where Jesus laid out this principle and talked about this commandment, this first commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul. I want to look a little bit at the context of this, and I think through this, my hope is that we can find where we can really find refreshment and where our focus should be and what Jesus was trying to say, not only to the disciples and the teachers at that moment, but also to us today. And when in the context of this, Jesus is, the, the religious leaders, you know, if you grew up in church, you knew they didn't like Jesus. He was threatening to them. He didn't fit their mold. And so they were always trying to kind of trick him up with something and kind of like, you know, and they not always failed for some reason. He's the son of God. That's part of the main reason. But, you know, he always seemed to have this comeback that just kind of put them in their place. And so they, during this time, they had um, groups of religious people who kind of viewed commands, different commands, as kind of more of a priority, and they would, they would kind of like live their life and their, their expression of faith geared around which kind of command they felt was more important. So the religious leaders were like, well, let's, let's trick him, let's trap him, let's discredit him a little bit, and, and say, well, you know, which is the greatest commandment? Because... If he says this, then all these groups of people won't follow him anymore. And we can kind of calm down some of this radicalness that's happening here. Or if he says this, then this group won't like him anymore. And so we can kind of like 
calm him down and calm the energy that's kind of growing. They wanted to discredit his thing. I think if this was happening today, they probably would have asked him, what's your favorite color, blue or red? Right? They probably would have asked him, what do you think about this mask thing, Jesus? You know, it's that kind of thing. It's like if you say one thing, well, then the whole other group is out. You know, if you say this, you know, what do you say? So they got to this point, and, I, and the passage here is in Matthew 22, 36 through 40, and I have it up on the screen. It says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. I love it how Jesus answered this question in a way that blew their mind. Number one, they asked him for the greatest commandment, and he gives two. Jesus can't count. I don't know. Maybe there's a reason he gave two, and there, I believe there is a reason. I believe that Jesus was teaching something here that he's trying to teach us as well, that these two commands these commands to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbor are really to be seen as one command. You can't separate the two. It's not a balancing act of I want to love God on the one side, fill my cup on the other, and then serve my neighbor on the other side. It's not two separate things. It's to be seen as one. And, and the key word that he uses in this uh, passage here is the word like, and the second is like it. And that word in original context is the same word that he uses when he talks about the kingdom of God. When he says the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. It can't be separated. It's, it's described It's part of what it is. You can't take it away. You can't have it as its own separate thing. It's part and it's designed to be together. That the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And to love our neighbors as ourselves is to be together as one. It's kind of like we would say, well, you know, what's it like to be a safe driver? What does it mean to be a safe driver? Well, you might say it's not, you know, probably safe to be going 100 mile an hour in a 35. It's, it's not a safe driver if you do that. It's not safe to drive through a red light if you want to be a safe driver. Both of those things. You can't take one away. You can't say, well, one is more important than the other. It's like, no, it's all part of being a safe driver. And this idea of loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, our strength, and our soul can't be taken away from loving our neighbor as ourself. And it's to be seen as one and not as two. These two principles. Where else can we see this in Scripture um, lay out this idea that the two are connected together as one and not as two separate things. I think we see it in the gospel story itself. We see the idea that God so loved the world that he gave his son. And while we were yet sinners, Jesus died on the cross for us. There's this love being extended, love reaching out um, to us. We see it in 1 John for uh, 19 through 21, we loved because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister who they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. This idea of even loving your brother and sister 
in the context there, it's referring to Jesus' command when he's actually saying, love your, um, not only, don't only love your neighbor, but love your enemies as well. So this isn't just love the people that you like. This is love your enemies as well, this command, these two that go together. We see this even in Jesus interacting with Peter. And after the resurrection, and, and Peter, no doubt, is feeling very discouraged. His Savior died. He, he, he actually, like, denied knowing Jesus, even when he said, no, I'll go to death for you. And, and he found himself denying him three times. And Jesus comes after the resurrection, makes breakfast along the Sea of Galilee, and says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah, I love you. And feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, yes, of course I love you. I feed my sheep. Outward expression, this idea of love extended, this idea that he didn't say, okay, well, Peter, I want maybe to get, you know, get together with some of the other disciples and, you know, the, the, and maybe form a group and like maybe do a study on reconciliation and how you can kind of make yourself right with me during this time. No, it was love, feed my sheep. It was outwardly focused. And we see this in Jesus' teaching uh, in Matthew 25, 31. And if you have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn to that. Uh, there's one in the pew in front of you, or you can use your version uh, app as well. This can be a sobering scripture, but I think there's a lot of truth and a lot of life that can be found in this. And this is Jesus near the end, and he's kind of telling the disciples, okay, this is what the kingdom of God is going to be like. This is what the end times are going to be like. This is, you know, before I leave you, there's some things I need to be teaching you and what's going to be happening and what is important. And Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on the throne in his heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another. A shepherd separates his sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the world, creation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you closed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came and visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry or feed you and give you something to drink? When do we see you, a stranger, invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you, sick or in prison, or go visit you? The Lord will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you do for the one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed and eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I didn't need clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you did not look after me. They will also say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment for the righteous, but the righteous to eternal life. I think we see in this passage, sometimes we can feel a little condemnation of this or a little bit of, wow, we need to work in order to get our salvation. We need, whoa, what, how, what, how do we handle this? I don't think Jesus is bringing contradiction. We know that the only way to be saved is through the blood of Jesus Christ and the free gift and accepting the grace of Jesus Christ. But I think what he's teaching us here is showing us that this can't be separated, that our love for God and our faith for God can't be separated from giving the cup of water to those that are in need, to, being, to loving our neighbors as ourselves.
that there is life that is found in this command. That this isn't something that's like another weight that comes goes on. It's together. If we love the Lord our God, we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves. These two are together, and there's a better way. This is a life that is a better way. And I want to propose to you this morning that the Christian's love for God is designed to flourish when it is outwardly focused. The Christian's love for God is designed to flourish when it is outwardly focused. We see this in the spiritual realm, but also we see this even in the natural realm, this idea of this principle play out. We see it in the Dead Sea. And we have the Jordan River who's bringing life into that Dead Sea, but because it is trapped by mountains all the way around it, the water has no place to go. There's no outlet. So the water evaporates, leaving a salty mixture that is saltier than life can sustain, that life can live in it. Fish can't even swim in it because they float. It's nine times saltier than the ocean. Life around it cannot exist because of the salt. And I, I think we can see this play out in our lives as well, as, as it, when, we're, when we're focused on ourselves and things coming in, but we have no outlet, we become, and we can become, spiritually a place where life does not grow, and those around us don't either. That's the, that's the weight of this morning's message. So I'm back in front of the worship leader. Now I got my cup up, I'm ready to be filled. Here we go. The worship leader, he, he says, all right, well, I want you to do is I want you to, to turn around and find someone, pair up with somebody in the, the audience. It's like, well, I, I kind of wanted a word from you on this one, but, you know, because you got like big lights and you're like famous and everything. But okay, all right, I'm okay with going to somebody else because it's a conference and the people that sit in the front row are holy, right? Like that's, you know, I mean, those are the people that you want to hang out with. And maybe it'll be a more of a spiritual word, a direct word for me rather than a general one for everybody. So, okay, I'm in. All right, all right, whatever. And so I go and they're like, well, introduce yourselves and introduce. And I, I, I like made it easy for this guy. Like, I was like, I'm going to make it easy for you. This is what I need. Like, you don't even have to sense the spirit as to what to tell me because I, I need my cup filled up. Like, here it is. It's empty. I feel empty. I need it full. Like, go ahead and pray. I'm ready. You know, and so I, I, that's the position I'm in. My heart is in, all right? And, and then the worship leader says something, and he's like, all right, I want those that came down. I want you to, I want you to now pray and minister to the person that you just met. Like, what? No, that's not how this works. That, no, like, I, I was never as mad at a worship leader as I ever was. I don't know, maybe you guys get mad at your worship leaders, so I don't know. But, you know, I, I mean, I was like, no, uh-uh, 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 this is not the way this should go. No, 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 I can't, four hours, I can't drive home. No. And I would love to say that, man, I, I felt full after that. I felt, I didn't. I was mad. I drove home, and my friend, he wasn't any help because he was going through some things, and it ended up being a four-hour counseling session with him on the way home. I was like, God, what are you doing? And, you know, honestly, I did not learn the lesson that God was trying to teach me until I started preparing for this message about two or three weeks ago. I'm a slow learner, guys, 23 years, all right? Give me, give me a break. But I, I, I didn't learn the lesson. I see it as vividly. As God was saying, no, take your eyes off the cup. Take your eyes off of filling your cup, and that's not where your focus should be. Love your neighbor as yourself. Focus on others. Focus outside. That's what love, they go together. 
I love what uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a, a Lutheran pastor during the time of Hitler. If you ever, it's on Netflix, has a couple documentaries. It's, it's phenomenal to watch, to hear his story, everything unpacked there. But basically, he was a, a Lutheran pastor who was arrested for his part in a plot to try to assassinate Adolf Hitler. It, it failed. The bomb didn't, you know, killed some other people, but didn't kill Adolf. And so he was arrested. He was put in prison and later executed for his part of uh, this role. Uh, but he did a lot of writing while he was in prison, and a lot of it has shaped uh, what, how we view discipleship and community together right now. And he wrote this part, because at this time, the, the church, at that time, the church was really kind of individualistic. You know, your relationship is between you and God. Like, that's, that's what you need to focus on. The other stuff is all secondary, whether, you know, even, even faith with other people, community with other people, or even outside the church, really not, you know, it's between you and God. That's where it matters. And, and he wrote a lot about community and about the, what the church really is designed for. And he wrote this three-part statement. He said, the church is the church only when it exists for others. It must share in the secular problems of the ordinary life, and it must tell men of every calling what it means to live in Christ. I think this summarizes so greatly that our church's mission, what we need to be about, what we need to be about as individuals, that the church is the church only when it exists for others. So what are some practical steps? What are some things that we can do to love our neighbor better? Number one, pay attention to whose cup you're filling. Is it your cup that you're trying to fool? Are you trying, are you feeling a little dry and you're like, Lord, God, I need more, I need more, I need more, I need more. And in reality, you're, you're kind of like the Dead Sea. You have been receiving, but you haven't been outwardly focused and you haven't been giving. And that's why you're feeling this unsettledness or this, you know, unbalance in your life. We need to be, and just, just a disclaimer, I want to just throw this out there. There are times in your life where you need help, okay? I'm not saying, you know, there are times where you need to see a counselor, you need to get, you know, some you know, foundational things. So I'm, saying, I'm not saying, hey, don't never focus on yourself. But sometimes the, the best form of self-care is by loving others and serving others. Secondly, get involved. <laughs> Guys, I used to way overthink this one. I used to think, okay, all right, I need to get involved what do I got to do? Like, is it a mission trip? Do I got to go to Africa? Like, do I got to, you know, what thing do I have to do that I really don't want to be doing and adding to my calendar uh, in order to love my neighbor? You know, no, I, mean, I used to overthink this thing with so much. God has been teaching me recently that, that really just do what you're passionate about. Do what you love doing. Do a hobby that you love doing. If you love sports and you love being around kids and coaching, I know we have a bunch of coaches here. Coach, like, volunteer that. If you love bird watching, go do bird watching. There's groups that do that. If you know whatever you naturally love to do and like to do, go ahead and do that. And it puts you around a lot of other people. If you like biking, I don't know, mention it on a connection card. We'll pray for you. Like, I don't know why, but, you know, you know, that's okay. If you like motorcycles, all right, that's cool. You're cool. That's awesome. There's a lot of really neat things and fun things that you can do with people. Uh, but do things that you enjoy doing. It's not that hard. Just get involved in those around you. And when you get involved, ask the question, what would love require of me? What would love require me to do for this person now that I've got to know through my bird watching club, book reading club? I'm not part of a bird watching club, just for But anyway, you know what I mean. You know, what would love require of me? 
And then be aware of your language. And I'm not talking about, you know, that. I'm talking about, do you use the word we or they? Are you part of the community when you talk about the community? When you hear about and tell people about, hey, the Peckway Valley School District is, you know, struggling with this or they have a problem with poverty. Do they have a problem with poverty or do we have a problem with poverty? Do the community around us and all that guys, do they have a problem with, you know, food insecurities? Do they have a problem with that? Or do we have a problem with that? Watch your language. Listen to yourself as you're talking to others. Is it, am I part of this? Am I part of it? Am I, is it we or is it they? And lastly, don't be afraid of relational decision-making. We're Lancaster County. We're good stewards. We take care of our money. We do our, manage our money well, and that's a good thing. But sometimes that comes before relationships. And, you know, we'll have good relationships as long as we have a secure foundation because that's important to us. And I want to encourage us today, especially if you're a business owner, to think about the relational decision-making questions and how will this decision affect the relationships of the people that I'm serving and not just the money. I mean, you still got to look at the money. You still got to be on that side, but which is primary? Are you willing to, to step out and, and, and do something and, and maybe not make as much money but be able to help somebody? and to be able to, to form a relationship. So don't be afraid of relational, relational decision-making. Guys, we're all tired. We all feel some sort of emptiness. You know, out of loving our neighbors, we're, we're choosing to socially distance, we're choosing to, to wear a mask out of love for others. But it is affecting us, all right? We, we all know it. It is affecting us. It's not, it's disrupted our pattern that we were used to. And we feel tired. But I'm, I want to encourage you this morning. Now's the time, more than ever, to not focus on your cup, but focus on loving your neighbor as yourself. Part of the marking of a, a good athletic coach is to be able to, to see, okay, well, what, what do we need to work on, guys? What do we need to practice? Like, when the time comes, when game time comes, these are things that we need to work on. You hope that people, you're, you know, the, the athletes catch on enough that it becomes muscle memory and you can kind of just naturally go through with it. But another part of being a good, or what makes a coach great, is the game time decisions. The decisions to say, okay, you know what, guys? Now's the time to implement this. We've talked about it. Now's the time to implement this. Now's the time to execute this play. And I believe that we are in a season right now, church, where we need to execute this more than ever. Where the temptation is to fill up our cup and to have that balance. The temptation is there, but I'm, now is the time that the world, the community, is watching us. They're watching how we respond on social media. You know, you, you claim to know truth, but yeah, you you post this, and I don't know that that's true. You, you claim to love others, but yet you're kind of, you know, saying this. The world is watching. Now is the time to execute. And I invite you this morning to consider this, seeing these commands as one and not as two to be balanced. I invite you to consider it. I challenge you to execute it. And I encourage you to see the fruit in the, that comes from that. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for who you are. We're grateful that you model to us what it looks like to love. That your love is 
extending. Your love is reaching. And Lord, may we mirror that love as we go out throughout our days, throughout our weeks, and we mirror that love. God, you are a holy God. We know that you will judge us and the time comes on how we loved you. Lord, may we find life in giving to others. May we find the life that we're designed to live, the Christian, the love for you that we are designed to flourish when we are focused on others and outwardly focused. Give us that strength. Give us the eyes to see. Give us the courage to step into those conversations and fill us up. In Jesus' name I pray.